The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 50. Another fantasy football edition, you know, with just a couple major weekends left before the fantasy football season drafts are in full bore. And so I decided to bring on a guy you've heard before. If you listen to Always Pressing, which you should, if you're listening to Always Pressing PGA DFS pod, a very knowledgeable Big Bucks No Ammies. You can find him on Twitter at BPSnow11. Bucks, how are we doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to uh, get on and talk a, talk a little something other than PGA. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, Bucks, we've talked for a while, and Bucks, uh, he's, he's big in the NFL for season-long and DFS fantasy, so it's not just PGA, multi-sport man over here. So we're going to pick his brain on a lot of good stuff for you guys tonight, and we'll kick it off with some strategy talk first. Most of football has gone to a PPR format. What do you prefer, standard or PPR? Personally, I prefer PPR. I think it's more exciting, I think, with the additional points scored it's obviously higher scoring, higher excitement for me personally, but also I think it brings in a much larger group of players in the mix and you have to think a little more. That being said, I love both, but if I had to pick one, it'd be PPR. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I honestly can't even, I don't even know if I play any non-PPR anymore. Once I started, you get that taste and it's just hard to go back and it, it kind of gives yeah. you the DFS feel because like you said, more points, the better. I want to see big numbers. I don't want to see like winning with 70 points and stuff like that. It's boring. Yeah, exactly. Now, especially in a world where touchdowns are not as easy to predict as they once were. Just real quest, quick, you can, it wasn't on the outline, but I thought about it. Do you play any IDP leagues? I do not. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've always thought about getting into. I did it one year and it was actually pretty fun, but I think it, it takes a whole lot more skill and definitely takes more time in thinking about players. So I, I don't dabble in it, but I have before and it was, it was fun. Nice. A strategy some people, it differs more and more each year is in the old days it was always take two running backs out the gate and move on. But now with what many, many teams having committees and whatnot, do you go with the take running backs early approach or do you kind of look, since you are a PPR guy, do you look to receivers more? Yeah, I think especially, and we've seen a, a transition the last few years, four or five years where running backs are catching the ball more often. So even in PPR leagues, you have guys like Le'Veon Bell, who is a stud both catching the ball and running, obviously. But then you have guys like Darren Sproles and Chris Thompson for the Redskins that come into play because they catch a ton of balls. 
they they don't get too many snaps where they're actually running, but they catch a ton. So I think the PPR brings a lot of those guys into play. But overall, I mean, especially this year, I think after maybe your top five guys, I think there's a big drop off in running backs. And then you have a middling group. And so you have maybe like 12 guys that you'd consider taking fairly early. So I think this year it's even more important to jump on a stud running back early. And so I think my strategy going into this year was, depending on my draft position, I'm definitely taking a stud running back in the first or second round, depending on where everybody's going. But ideally, I'm taking one of the top five. So Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Devontae Freeman. And then I think where I think it really falls off is really around the the Melvin Gordon. So you have LaShawn McCoy and then Melvin Gordon. And after Melvin Gordon, I think it really does fall off. You have Jay Ajayi there. But even then, I think he has some issues. I'm not sure I would target him too early. So I'm definitely targeting a running back early. I think if you don't, you're handcuffing yourself and you're setting up a really, really risky year. Yeah, you said that perfectly. I've done a handful of drafts, some mock drafts and everything. And this year, like you said, especially, there's a massive drop off at the running back position. And I'll take two receivers early and I'll try to piece it together with like the sprawls and everything. And you still can as a, a two or a three if you have a flex. But I really agree with the idea. You need one of those top guys. At least I want to say you need one of those top guys. Because if you're stuck with, you know, your one and your two being in that mid pack, which we'll talk about a little later, it gets pretty ugly down there. Yeah, a lot sure. a lot more committee-based. One other strategy, and this one seems to be controversial every year. Some years, a little less. It also depends on format. You know, I just drafted a super flex league where you can put a quarterback at flex. You know, six-point oh, yeah. passing touchdowns changes things a little bit. But most leagues are still four-point passing touchdowns. Do you look at quarterbacks early? Are you a guy like tradition, kind of like I've always been? You wait till like the eighth, ninth round, take one of the middle pack guys. Yeah, I mean, I I try not to take a QB early. I think there is a ton of value at QB, and so you don't need to jump on jump on one early. Um, so my theory is, outside of taking a running back in the first couple rounds, especially first round, if I can get one of the studs, is really to stack my team with running backs and wide receivers because those positions in the early rounds there are a lot of high upside guys a lot of safe plays as well. But once you get outside of like the solid values, the studs and running backs and wide receivers, there's a massive drop off. Whereas at Q and you're playing two running backs, two wide receivers, a flex. So you have to have more of those guys. And with the QBs, I think there's a ton of value late. But with that being said, you definitely have to pay attention to value and ADP. And if you're in the late third or fourth round and for some reason, Brady falls to you, then absolutely I would hop on him. I mean, he's probably one of the safer picks this year. His ADP right now is like 25th. And so if he falls outside of that range, I'd absolutely jump on him. But again, yeah, that, that's... I, think, no, I was just going to say, I think there's a ton of value late. And my overall theory is to wait at the QB position, tight end position, uh, obviously defense, super late. So I'm stacking running backs and wide receivers early. No, that's a great strategy. And um, like Brady, Rodgers... I highly doubt it would follow Brady. You could see even a breeze maybe. I've been more inclined round three and four lately if that talent's there, but I'll usually wait. But I definitely agree with the point of Brady and company there. When you're looking at your draft, say it's a 10 or a 12 team, PPR as you like, what's the area you like to be with your first pick, which obviously people, if it's snakes, you know how it works. But for your first round pick, 
setting up your draft, where do you like to be? I mean, ideal scenario is I'm one of the first three picks of the draft. Ideal is one or two. That way you can hop on David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, but even Antonio Brown is going to be money this year. So first three picks is ideal scenario, but I've done a ton of mock drafts this year and I just drafted this past weekend with my boys and had the ninth pick. And all the mocks that I've done, interestingly enough, either being real early or real late has provided me the best results. For some reason, drafting in the middle spots has provided some really weird teams missing the boat barely on a lot of players that I'm targeting this year. So ideally, I like to go late and pick up, uh, like in the ninth spot this past weekend, I picked up Devontae Freeman and then had Jordy back around. And that's a solid core for me to start the year off. Whereas if I'm fifth, I'm maybe going, well, now OBJ is kind of injured, but if I'm going OBJ, then I'm hoping maybe a Jai falls to me. If not, then I'm reaching for a running back. So early or late is my preference. Yeah, and I've noticed that somehow I've been very fortunate in the drafts I've done. I've been one or two or like 10th out of 12. So I see your point there because if you're in the middle, you're kind of stuck at the mercy almost of the flow of where things are going. If you're at the end, you can kind of take your chances because in one way you can justify it that, well, they won't be here when I come back, so I'm taking them now. Secondly, you can start the trends, which I like a lot. I like that a lot. So you'll get the top because people talk tiers uh, at positions, and that's one way when you're at the ends of the the, the rounds, you can kind of take your tiers and really – really attack them instead of kind of being forced into the situation. Yeah. I mean, a good example, my, my work league coming up next week, I have the fourth spot. And so Le'Veon's going to be gone. Antonio is going to be gone. David Johnson is going to be gone. And so that almost forces me into like Julio, but he has injury concerns. And then when I come back around, I'm there stuck with potentially girly, maybe DeMarco Murray, something like that. And so it's just a weird situation. Yeah, and, and right there, it already shows you that drop-off at running back you're talking about, and you're not even through the second round yet. It's that crazy. Exactly. We'll wrap up the strategy portion. I guess you've kind of hit at it throughout this whole thing, but just kind of give us a brief cliff notes. What are like the strategies you're targeting on this deal? Yeah, so I'm definitely, like I said, running back early, especially if I can get one of the top five studs in the first round, I'm definitely going to do it. That being said, I like to kind of fade – QBs and tight tight ends until later in the draft. Tight ends, I think, is a, a position, especially this year, that's easy to stream. And so week to week, you can pick up players off the waiver or make some silly trades for some to, to pick up a tight end in a good spot, has a good matchup, that kind of thing. And then basically try not to reach on players. And I personally like to avoid players that I think are in bad situations. You get guys like a perfect example is Gurley last year. He is an elite talent on a shitty team. He had a terrible year. Well, not terrible, but by everybody drafting him in the first round last year, he had a terrible year where I think he was 18th, the 18th or 17th best running back last year. And so elite talent, bad situation. And I think there's a lot of guys that should have fallen that category that I can automatically cross off my list. No, definitely. That's a good, good approach to it right there. Let's get into some of these players. We've hinted around at a few of them, and this is kind of what everybody looks for anyways, the player breakdowns. We'll start at the quarterback position. We'll start first with the top three, Rodgers, Brady, and Breeze. How do you look at these three? Kind of already touched on how you'd like to draft, but as a whole, how do you approach those three? Yeah, I mean, I I think two of these guys would fall into my top three, and that would be Rodgers and Brady. Brady is my number one QB this year. 
I think he has, as he does every year, a, a fairly cake schedule. He has a really good group of receivers this year. They added Brandon Cooks. Between him, Edelman, and Gronk, I think he has a ton of weapons out there. I will say I think Edelman has a similar, if not better, year than Cooks, and he has been taken maybe four rounds later than Cooks, just an FYI. But I do like Brady this year. Again, I'm not going to take him unless he falls into a value-type spot for me and depending on where I'm drafting in position wise but outside of that Rodgers is my number two back again I think he has a fairly easy schedule he has some good matchups this year he is being taken consistently ahead of Brady which I think is crazy but he has a lot of weapons coming back if the running game can get going and free him up a little bit I think he has a really good year but but I think Brady has 40 to 45 touchdowns this year it's just insane and then Breeze he is actually my fifth quarterback I have on my board this year I mean he's a stud I mean there's nothing you can really say other than that I mean I think he's had six or seven straight years where he's been top three keep QB but with that being said I think that New Orleans has a chance to run the ball a little more this year they lost Brandon Cooks obviously I think his with his ADP kind of in the mid-30s I think you have some better options much later so as far as those mid-range guys uh, a couple guys that I would target maybe three rounds after Breeze would be Derek Carr, number one, and then Kirk Cousins. So Carr, obviously, he has a ton of weapons around him. He had a killer year last year, and I think he continues that trend. Amari Cooper and Crabtree are really great players, and with a couple weapons that they added in the backfield, I think it frees them up a little bit. But the third QB on my board this year is Kirk Cousins, and I will say I am a Skins fan, so just a caveat there. But he has as many, if not more, weapons than anybody else in the league, and he had a stud year last year. And so between Terrell Pryor, Jordan Reed, Jamison Crowder, who's a PPR stud, and then Josh Doxson, who is going to finally have a year, hopefully, where he's not injured. I mean, he has so many weapons, and Chris Thompson, who catches a ton of balls, so... I think Kirk Cousins and the Redskins defense is not great. So I think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit. So I think Kirk Cousins has a bang out year and he's a guy that you can get in the seventh round, eighth round sometimes. And so you don't need to reach for a breeze or a Rogers when I believe Kirk Cousins is going to put up somewhat similar numbers. I, I don't know if I'd put him in the same category as Rogers and Brady right now, but from a value perspective, you can definitely solidify your draft by waiting. No doubt about it. So you hit on the mid-range guys. A couple that you didn't talk about. One I do want to ask you on is Andrew Luck. He's injured. He hasn't played. We don't know if he'll play. We know when he's healthy, he's very, very good. How are you approach? Obviously, he's not in your top three, but how would you approach Andrew Luck in this draft? Yeah, he's in that category of a good player in a bad situation. So I'm not targeting him this year. He's actually on my do not target list. And so with injury concerns, with some concerns in the backfield, O-line concerns, the situation in uh, training camp preseason has not been great. And so I'm not going to be wasting a pick on him. I mean, if, if he falls to, I don't know, 12th, 13th round, then maybe I'll take a flyer as, as my backup. But he's definitely not on my target list. You mentioned Kirk Cousins as third on your list. You're trying to get him in the seventh or eighth round. How low are you going? What's the quarterback at the bottom of, say, ADPs? That's the last guy. You have to have someone above that guy. 
That's a good question. I mean, I think I think I do like Jameis Winston this year. I think he is a guy Jameis Winston, Mariota Cousins are all in the seventies to eighties ADP. And so I would not with Kirk Cousins having an ADP of 80th, you shouldn't have to go too far past him. But if for some reason somebody reaches and takes him, Marcus Mariota will be there. I think he'll have another good year. His receivers are sketch for sure. But Delaney Walker's coming back. DeMarco Murray catches a ton of balls. Outside of that, I mean, here's here's one guy that the ADP is so low, and I think he has a chance to be a top five guy, is Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he has weapons galore. Le'Veon Bell catches a shit ton of balls, and his ADP is like 95th, which is just remarkable to me. So he's another one of those guys, if I pick up, let's just say Kirk Cousins, like in the 8th, and Roethlisberger's there in the ninth, and I think I have a solid team, I'm going to take him. Because, one, it solidifies a position if somebody gets hurt. But, two, honestly, after the first couple weeks, you're going to have half the teams in your league that needs a quarterback. And so I'm going to use mistrade bait, especially when you look at Roethlisberger's schedule the first couple weeks. I mean, they have Cleveland first game. He's going to score five touchdowns probably. Yeah, it, it, it's a loaded schedule. And, and I, I agree. You're seeing a lot of people mention it's like the Big Ben Stafford area is where the cutoff usually is. Big Ben a lot. The, uh, I think the moral of your story is by the eighth, ninth round at the latest, you better have your starting quarterback. That's kind of where you're going here. One more guy I just want to ask you on. Russell Wilson, he's the fifth quarterback off the board these days on ADP. He's having a great camp. So you can, it's kind of two questions in one. What's your thoughts on Russell Wilson and how much do you really pay attention to how well these teams are, quote-unquote, gelling in the preseason? Yeah, I think uh, I really like Russell Wilson. And in my league that I drafted this past weekend, I actually took him in the sixth round, I think, sixth or seventh round. Good point. A big, re- a big reason of, of that is – I picked up Baldwin early, I think in the third round. And so stacking those two guys together, Baldwin has been incredibly consistent. And I think with some of the players that they picked up, I think with Jimmy Graham being in that system for an extra year, I think Russell Wilson has a bang up year. He killed it the the final few games of the year last year. And so I, I think he's one of those, I don't know if you can call it a breakout year because he's good. Um, but I think he has an above average year and he's one of those players that I think you should target as a value as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm big on him. He had a down year to the expectations of many last year yeah. and he's got Baldwin where he's locked in with. He's going to have a really good looking Jimmy Graham. I, I think he's in for a big season. Let's move on to the running back position. We'll start with an easy one. You already mentioned it. Everybody knows it. David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell going one, two. What's your preference? It honestly all depends on my league. If it is a touchdown heavy league or a league that's under a full point PPR, I'm going to go David Johnson just because he scores more touchdowns. They seem to pound it in the red zone with them. There's nobody that's going to steal any carries from them. But if it's full PPR touchdown, you're not so reliant on them, then I'm probably going to go Bell. He catches a few more balls, and I think he has some opportunities there to – and, I mean, when you consider his stats last year, I mean, he wasn't – it was almost comparable to David Johnson. He missed four games. So you can't go wrong with either, though. So I I would go David Johnson if touchdown bonuses or something like that, but it's a win-win situation. 
Yeah, it's it's never a bad thing to have the top two picks. It's pretty easy for you. You mentioned the depth at running back. It drops off very quickly. In your opinion, how many of these running backs are first first round worthy? And which ones would you take in the first round, basically? Yeah, I think you have five five guys that are first round worthy. And if you're in some super deep league, league, that's 14 or 16 players, maybe six. But in a standard 10 or 12 team league, you have David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. You have Devontae Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, and Melvin Gordon. Those are the five studs that I would take in the first round. And then that's the cutoff for my first tier. After that, it's a fairly, in my opinion, a fairly significant drop-off. Maybe not at the end of the year as far as points go, but as far as my peace of mind in drafting a balanced team, those five guys are some the, the core five that I would target first. I want to get one of those okay. five guys. Yeah, it's a good five to have. Real quick, I forgot to put it on the outline, but everyone knows the Ezekiel Elliott problems. He was the third guy going off the board right behind Johnson and Bell. How would you approach Ezekiel in a draft? I've heard the theory if you get like Johnson or Bell early, maybe sneaking him on the turn with your third pick or something and holding them out because him with those two guys after week eight is just deadly. But can you wait that long? What's your pro- your kind of look at Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, I mean, this was a this is a tough call because one, I'm not a Dallas fan, <laughs> but <laughs> but two, I mean, from everybody that I have looked at and from people that I've talked to in the industry, they think that four game minimum is going to hold. So if I'm thinking minimum four game suspension, potentially six, I'm not taking him at all, period. Unless he falls to maybe like the fifth or sixth round and I have a super stacked team up front, I'm not going to draft him. But with that being said, I mean, after the news, his ADP is still like 19th, which to me is just ridiculous because basically you're handcuffing yourself into not getting an elite receiver or not getting an elite running back if you don't have one of those top five guys. And so I I think when you weigh the risk versus benefit, that there's no question in my mind you should just let him go. Somebody else can take him, deal with the issues, and not not just that, but if he does something else, anything else he's done for a year. And so he's not a guy that I want on my team. I think he's a player in a really good situation that on a really good team in a bad situation. So I I'm, I'm avoiding him like the plague. Yeah, it, that, that, that's the two kind of things you're hearing. It's either don't touch him at all or you take the gamble. It's just what do you feel like doing? And I understand the don't touch him at all because it, it'll it'll handcuff you early. And by the time he gets back, you might already be in trouble by then. So yeah, exactly. it might be too late. It's not like a baseball season. They have all the time in the world. Rookie running backs. It's always fun to look at the guys drafted, how they're going to impact the fantasy team. But this year we have a good slew of rookie running backs. You got, you know, Dalvin Cook, who looks to be taken over in Minnesota now. You got Perrine in your backyard. Uh, McCaffrey down in, in Carolina. Fournette in a messed up situation in Jacksonville. Uh, Mixon, who is the more talented back in Cincy, but who knows if he's getting the nod or not. And then you got Hunt, who's starting to sneak into the picture there in Kansas City. How are you attacking these guys? You know, you don't have to go deep into all of them unless you want to. But what's your thoughts on this rookie core of running backs? Yeah, there's a few that I really, really like. Dalvin Cook, I love. I love his spot there. Um, If the O-line can hold, I think that he catches a ton of balls, and I think he runs really hard. So I love his spot. You can probably get him, I think, like in the – yeah, around the fourth round. So high third, early fourth round is where he's going right now. And I like him. Another guy that I love, and I know that it's going to be a committee early, but I think he takes over is McCaffrey. He has looked phenomenal. And some of the preseason games, so you got the early hype with McCaffrey 
with some of the videos that came out that he was just lighting up those Carolina linebackers. And then in the preseason rolls around or some of the preseason games and he's just as good. So I like McCaffrey a lot. He's kind of one of those upside guys that I think will be in the top 10 running backs this year. And so he's a guy I'm definitely targeting. I picked him up in the late third round in my draft this past weekend. So he, he's part of my, uh, part of my squad. A couple of these other guys, Fournette, dude, is super – I mean, he's the girly of last year. He's super talented in a shitty situation, so I'm not going to touch him unless he falls super hard. Mixon I really like, but he's in a serious committee. I mean, he's got a few guys there that it's going to be tough to kind of unseat. I know he's probably the most diverse back there. He can run, he can catch – but they've had pretty good success over the last couple of years in their in their backfield. So it's going to be tough for him to kind of take the full reign. Hunt, I do like him. I'm not touching him. I, I just don't know enough about him. I haven't seen enough from him. Kansas City always seems to turn out some solid running backs, but I'm not going to touch him. And then the last person kind of here that as a Skins fan I'll touch on, touch on is Perrine. And I am not a fan, at least drafting him. I don't think he's worthy of a draft pick in a standard 10 or 12 team league. He has looked less than good this preseason, has troubles holding, trouble holding onto the ball. And honestly, Fat Rob there in Washington has looked pretty good so far this preseason. So between Fat Rob, Chris Thompson, I think he's going to have some issues really holding on to a few carries a game. Yeah, and that's the big thing is you need these guys that actually have roles. And I think Cook, he looks great. You can still get him you know, middle to late third rounds right now as a great running back too. Or if you take that punt you know, angle, he's not a horrible one. He's got the upside to become a one. McCaffrey, I like it in a PPR especially. I'm just, I always get worried with Carolina facts yeah. that Cam's going to steal the touchdowns. And then Hunt is sneaky to me uh, as he gets moved up the board, especially in PPR leagues. I think he's a, a good guy to have in space. What handcuffs are you looking at? Because, you know, there's some guys you're like, no, I'm not going to get handcuffs. We don't want handcuffs. But there's some position teams you just need to have them. Which ones are you looking at? Um, I think there's a couple out there that, are good. I think Perrine may be a decent handcuff option in Washington. Obviously, with Ezekiel Elliott having DMC there, and then you got you have teams like uh, Seattle, Denver that you may have more of a committee than you think, and so having a handcuff option there is obviously going to be really solid. But to be honest with you, in in my drafts unless I have somebody that I think is just a huge injury concern, I'm not going to deal with the handcuff option um, just because I don't want to waste a roster spot on it. That being said, if you have a guy, in my opinion, like in a different position, but a Julio Jones that seems to always have a couple games every year where he's out, maybe a flyer late taking the number two guy there. But in, in my opinion, there's enough talent on the board that you don't need to waste a spot with a handcuff option. Yeah. The last question I have for you at the running back position, I, I, again, you noted how deep it is not. Um, so you're going to have to take gambles, big time gambles. What's some of the deep sleepers you're looking at to kind of fill out your team, maybe around you know 10 or later or whatever that you're looking at? Yeah, I think you can get a few guys late that could really pay off. One guy that's always going to be in the mix and one guy I really like this year is going to be Darren Sproles. You can get him super late. He's always catching balls. They love him in the red zone. 
Same with Chris Thompson in a PPR league. He's he's always going to have a couple catches a game, and he can break one really at any time. And then there's not too many other guys kind of real, real late that I might pick up. Charles Sims maybe for Tampa Bay. But again, I don't think there's too, too many flyers you have to have this year with a lot of the guys on the board. We'll move on, even though there's a ton of running back questions and players we could talk about we don't have all night. Let's look to the wide receiver position. You've kind of already mentioned them already. The main guys in your first round, you got Antonio Brown, Beckham Jr., and Julio are the kind of the top three everyone's looking at. You've kind of already mentioned how you approach these. How would you break down those top three in your draft? I mean, I'm going Antonio Brown for sure of those three. He's going to be third off the board in the majority of leagues. And so he's an absolute monster. And I think – I think you could make the case for him having a better year or a worse year, depending on how you look at it. One, you have a stacked cast in Pittsburgh, and Martavius Bryant's going to be back. And so you can look at it one of two ways. One, Martavius is going to steal some of his thunder there. What I would say is Martavius, I think, is just going to free him up a little more. Martavius is not the same type of player. Martavius is a big body burner He's, he's going to catch a ton of balls, catch a ton of deep balls. And he catches a ton of touchdowns. With that being said, I still think Antonio Brown is going to catch over 100 balls, have over 1,500 re- receiving yards, and likely have du- double-digit touchdowns still. Because you can't – unless you're doubling him every play, he's going to find a way to get open. He's going to make you miss, and he's just an absolute stud. Next on my list would be Julio, and this is – a the tough sp- tough thing about being like the fourth, fifth, sixth spot is Julio is going – I mean, he's a monster. When he plays, he kills it, especially in Atlanta. Those home and away splits there or dome, turf splits, he kills it. He's going to catch another 100 balls for 1,500 yards and double touchdowns as well. But more injury concern there than the other guys. OBJ, he's – a a monster but he's got some injury concerns now I think I saw that there's a chance he doesn't play week one if I'm in the sixth seventh spot I'm still taking him and hoping he makes it or hoping he sits out and gets fully healthy but he's another one of those guys that this year he has looked just ridiculous in the preseason training camp looked great preseason games look great and he's another one of those guys that's double digit touchdowns Definitely. Now the next tier, some call it a drop-off. In reality, they all have pretty good upside, but some not as much as others. Uh, you got Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, Des Bryant. Those are the ones I mentioned. You can pick others. How do you approach the second tier? Because it sounds like you want to get another running back in your draft. How do you break these guys down? Yeah, I mean, if, if, I dra- if I'm drafting one of the big three receivers there, Brown, OBJ, Julio, then I'm likely taking a second-round pick on a running back, depending on who's there. Uh, You'll see some theories about zero running back theory, and I think that's just stupid, to be honest with you. I think the position is so weak at running back that you can't do that. But outside of those big three, I think you have a couple guys that are worthy of a mid-late first-round pick, even an early second-round pick if they fall there. Evans, A.J. Green, I love this year. Jordy Nelson, again, I, I love this year. I, he was a monster late in the season last year. No reason why he can't continue to do that as long as he stays healthy. The one guy that you mentioned 
that I don't like, and again, caveat, I'm a Skins fan, is Des Bryant. There, I'll give you a couple reasons why I don't like him, though. One, his catcher is just atrocious. He drops a ton of balls. Plus, I think I have Dak Prescott having a sophomore year regression, so I don't think he's going to be as sharp. So I, I can still see Des putting up some decent numbers, and his ADP is pretty high, but I would not take him in the second round. If he falls in the third, I'd consider it. But he's one of those just incredibly frustrating guys because he seems to have one or two balls every game that he just drops. I mean, I think he had like a 52% catch rate last year, which is just absurd. I think it's the worst in the NFL. It's bad. Yes. It's really bad. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Dak because everywhere you look, it's he's going to have a great year. He's only going to get better. I don't see it, but I could be totally wrong. I just don't see it. You mentioned, like I, I keep repeating myself, you want a running back early, so you're taking one receiver. How many of the big guys do you want to have if your draft works out the way you, you plan on? Yeah, I mean, if, if the draft works out the way that I want, I have running back first round followed by a couple of wide receivers, hopefully picking up a, a backup running back in the – third, fourth, fifth, something like that. But I think that the mid-tier wide receiver, I think there's a ton of really good options there. A few guys that I really, really like this year, I already mentioned him, Doug Baldwin. I think he's borderline elite as far as him being just so damn consistent. I mean, he's just one guy you can really rely on most games. A couple other guys that I really like this year, Tyreek Hill. He had a ridiculous year last year, and his touchdown rate was just out of this world. Um, he, I don't think he can keep that up, obviously, but I think they want to use him as much as possible. So I could, in a PPR league, I could definitely see them see him catching five, six balls a game, easy. And then some other guys, kind of in that mid tier that I do like this year. I think Terrell Pryor is going to be a beast this year. The one thing I'll say about that is there's so many weapons there in Washington that Kirk's going to spread the ball around, but him him catching with as much as Kirk's going to have to throw, I think him Terrell Pryor is going to be safe to catch four to five balls a game. And he's a huge guy. And so I think Kirk has been gelling with him, positive vibes there. So I think everything points to Terrell Pryor having a really big year. And then the one guy that is going middle round that I think could be a top five guy potentially is Martavius Bryant. I think that having Antonio Brown on the opposite side is going to free him up and he is going to light up some of these number two uh, cornerbacks, number three cornerbacks sometimes, depending on who they have covering them, but he is going to light those boys up. And I think that because of Antonio Brown and Martavius Bryant having a top five, 10 upside type year that's the big reason I think Ben Roethlisberger is gonna have a big year but Martavius Bryant is definitely on my target list if you can catch him let me see what he is ADP wise right now Martavius I got him right here around 57 roughly yeah so I mean if you can get him in the fifth round and he's a top five top 10 upside guy that's the guys you want to target because he's in a good situation with a good quarterback and a ton of upside. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like your point on Terrell Pryor. Um, those weapons, I'm trying to get either Pryor or Crowder in, in my drafts. I just love the way they have to throw so much. You might not like the way they have to throw so much because that usually means they're chasing, but yeah. it, it, it's a good thing. But like you can get Pryor around 34, 35, 
And then you go all the way down to Crowder. He's going around the 83rd pick. So if you don't get prior early, you can still get a piece of a very dynamic offense. That's kind of stuff you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, um, Crowder getting him in the eighth and ninth round is a freaking steal because he's going to catch four to five balls a game. I mean, minimum. Mm-hmm. He might catch four for 40 or five for 40, I don't know, 12 games this year. And that's just easy points for a late, late round pick. I think Terrell's in that same run where he's going to catch four or five balls a game too. More of those longer, longer routes, but Crowder's just an absolute stud too. I love that guy. Big time. Uh, last but not least, just like we had the running back position, what are some of the sleeper backs? You know, Crowder could be one of them. What are some of the other sleeper backs you're looking at? Yeah, some of those wideouts that I think are sleepers this year, and we've touched on a couple of them. I view him as a sleeper because of his value. That's Martavius. Obviously, Crowder, obviously Crowder. But a couple other guys that I really like this year, uh, Willie Sneed. Cameron Meredith is a guy that I really like as a sleeper this year. I mean, Chicago is not in a great spot, but for his ADP, who else really is going to catch the ball there? I mean, he's their clear number one, and he definitely shined last year in a couple of big moments. So Cameron Meredith is a big guy that I'm targeting. Another guy that I think is in a good spot this year is Mike Wallace. And I'm not a big Mike Wallace fan typically, but his ADP is like 130th, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So you can get him in the 13th, 14th round. He represents some pretty sweet value there. And then the last guy that I'll mention just because I think he will get overlooked a little bit is Adam Thielen. He was a he was a DK favorite last year because he was always super super cheap and he was like a lock for some decent value. So I think Adam Thielen has another good year depending on what Stefan Diggs though does there. But Dalvin Cook, Diggs, Rudolph, and then having Thielen. Thielen's going to be kind of those that Edelman type player where he's going to catch a ton of balls, play the, the middle of the field, find tight spots. So I'd definitely target him if he's going fairly late. Yeah, those are some really good ones. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on the Mike Wallace train, and no one seems to be talking about him. So it makes me very, very happy. I think he's got tremendous upside there with Flacco. Let's move on to the tight ends. I'm not a tight end early guy, so I never have these players. But some people jump at Gronk and Reed. You pretty much already said your, your opinion on tight ends early. Would you ever be willing to take a Gronk or a Reed and say the first two rounds? No, absolutely not. I think you're handcuffing yourself. Gronk is the only guy you could potentially make a case for. But even then, they typically play two tight end sets there. He has injury concerns. I don't know if he's played a full season ever. So I'm I'm not targeting them. Somebody else can have them. He's going he's going to have monster games every year. Every year. But that being said, who are you not taking by taking Gronk? And if it's in the mm-hmm. second if it's in the second round, I mean, it could be Jordy potentially. It could be some decent running backs. It could be Jay it could be Michael Thomas. I mean, uh, DeMarco Murray, all guys that I would consider a much safer play. Um, especially when you consider the tight end position is probably the easiest position to stream and take a different play every week. Reed, I would not touch him. I mean, if he fell somehow to like the eighth, ninth round, I'd consider it. But he's going, I think, in like the fourth round, fifth round right now. And I would be shocked and elated as a Skins fan if he played eight games this year. I mean, 
the guy's always hurt. He got hurt the first play of preseason. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he's always hurt. Um, you mentioned streaming. What are some of the targets at tight ends you're looking for this year? Because there's a ton of them. Yeah, there's a couple guys here that I really like, and you can get these guys super late. Walker, Delaney Walker, I think, is going to be good again this year. He had a great year last year. There's not too many other options that Mariota is going to have to catch a ton of balls, so I think he is a really good option. Eric Ebron, I think, has a good year this year. I'm not big on the Detroit Lions this year, so I'm I'm not I'm avoiding them when I can, but I think Ebron has a shot to – kind of take over that offense but the one intriguing tight end I like I really like this year that I'm targeting is Ertz I think with the trades that were recently made that Ertz has a really good chance to be the number one guy even with Alshon Jeffrey there now I think Ertz is the clear-cut favorite for the QB position there and I think he is going to be the number one receiver this year there so I liked him before, and I really like him now that they've made some of those moves, and he's going to get a, a bigger share, especially when you consider you can get Urson like the eighth, ninth round. Uh, I think he's the, the stud number one this year. One guy I have to mention, and you're likely going to hear his name like once all year, is uh, another Philly tight end, Billy Brown. He played for my alma mater, Shepherd University. And he was uh, one of the, the leading D2 wide receivers for a couple of years. And he just got – he was picked up by the Eagles this year. And he is, I think, like 6'4", 245, 250 pounds, and he runs like a 4'4", 540. Just a stud, and he catches everything. If Ertz goes down, Billy Brown is going to have a – he's another Jordan Reed, but with, with less injury concerns. So if Ertz goes down, I'm a uh, – jump quick on Billy Brown. That's a good call because, honestly, I listen to a lot of stuff and I have not heard that name yet. That's a very good call. I promise you I'm the only person um, on any pod ever that has mentioned his name. <laughs> yeah, because I, I tell you, I, I work out of my truck, so I listen to pods all day long, and I have not heard that name mentioned. He's not even on the top on the ADP of Fantasy Pros. Not even there. So, yeah. Nope. Not on the radar of anybody. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned some good guys. That's one heck of a sleeper. Just give us like two or three guys that you can get late in the drafts if you're going for a backup or if you're like, if you're streaming. So you're taking them for week one and moving on or something. I mean, Delaney and Urs, you're both getting super late, but going real late, Ebron, you're getting in the 12th round. I already mentioned him. A couple others. I think Kobe Fleener could have a really good year this year. and He's kind of ADP of like 160, so – kind of a last pick guy that has some huge upside. Another guy that a lot of people really like this year. And again, depending on how your draft goes, this could be great, but he's going to be a great streaming option this year is Austin Hooper. A lot of people have been talking about him. Really big guy catches really well. And then the last guy that I'll, I'll kind of mention, because again, I think you can stream a ton of these guys week to week is CJ. And I don't pronounce his last name. Federowitz uh, for Houston. Uh, he he had a couple of really good games last year, and I think he could have uh, another solid year this year, depending on how things go. So, uh, again, not somebody I would pick up potentially in my draft unless it was like last pick type scenario. But guys, I would definitely look at on a weekly basis, depending on their matchup, to stream. 
Yeah, CJ was very valuable in DFS certain weeks last year, so he's yes. not a bad streamer at all. Last but not least, defenses will do this super quick. Do you stream or do you target a solid one? If so, what solid ones are you looking at? I mean, I would have to really, really love my team for me to take a defense before my last pick. But if I were to take one in my second to last pick or something like that, if they were there, Minnesota, Carolina, and Houston are the three teams I really like this year that I think could be like a weekly defensive play. Other than that, I don't think they're – Denver could be up there too, but they have some unknowns. But there aren't too many teams that you could just play week in and week out. Defense – much like tight end, I'm playing the matchups most weeks. And so I'll try to get one of those top three guys, uh, top three teams, and then figure it out on the bye week. But most of the time, people are being idiots and taking those guys like in the ninth round or something like that. So I'll pick up maybe like the Giants, my last pick, and stream in week one. Yep, I'm a streaming guy. Literally, I walk to the table where the stickers are. And I don't even have a plan. I just look and see who's playing who week one and go from there. It's all it is. Exactly. Let's talk a little DFS before we send her home. Uh, I know the answer to this, but maybe some haven't listened to Always Pressing yet. Cash or GPP? I'm a big GPP guy. I hardly play any cash whatsoever unless it's like a high-dollar, low-entry type deal. Um, but I'm GPP. I typically will have three lineups a week for DraftKings. I don't play much FanDuel, if any, but DraftKings, I'll have typically three lineups a week and throw them in like the 333, a couple of the three entry max events, that kind of thing. When you're building your lineups, what kind of strategies do you look at? There's so many different ways to build lineups these days. What's your kind of approach when you're building yeah, I think this is. Um, I think this is why I really, really like uh, daily fantasy for football. Is there's so many different variables that come into play, matchups, um, and then after matchups, I'm looking at not just like weak defenses that week, but individual positions on defenses that are potentially weak against certain players, and then I'm looking at weather. Um, And then once I look at weather, I'm looking at injuries to see which backups have a chance to really provide value. And so from there, I'll typically start by finding my highest value streaming defense and then highest value streaming tight end because those are typically the two lowest price positions that'll then allow me to kind of work my way around the board and figure out how I can construct the team because it's not all about taking the studs. It's about finding the best value at each position. I typically like to kind of pair up the the QBs uh, with uh, wide receivers. I like to stack that stack guys on the same team. Good example of this last year, a lot of people like to stack Carr with Amari Cooper, Carr with Crabtree, or even Carr with both of them um, as a contrarian play. So I I typically like to do that, but again, it all depends on the matchup. Uh, This year, Wilson... Uh, and Baldwin week one will be big for me, I think, because they're super cheaping. Same with Carr. Carr is super cheap playing a shitty defense, so he has a chance to really light them up week one. But, I mean, I think the goal, you have $50,000 to work with, right? And you have 200 points is like your target to really cash heavy in a GPP. I think most GPPs, like the 333 last year, most of them, if you had 220 points or something like that, you were going to have a chance to win. And so 200 points is kind of like my target. And so 
uh, like I said, I'm not looking at just these stud players. I'm looking at the guys that can provide me three, four, five, six times their value, their salary to find some some really good options. I think a good example of this, and we talked about it earlier, Cam Meredith week one this year. He's $5,000, super cheap, but I could definitely see him going out there and catching five balls for 95 yards and a touchdown. And so that'll be 20 and a half points. So roughly four times the salary. He's definitely a target I'm going to have because he's providing the value I'm looking for. When Martavius was out last year, Pittsburgh had a couple guys like Sammy Coates week five had like 29 DraftKings points and his salary was just ridiculously low. And he had like, I think he was like 10 X his salary, which was crazy. But again, I'm looking at not just the studs. Sometimes the studs will get you four or five X of salary, but you're looking at which lineup can you create that provides four, 5x salary to try to hit that 200 point mark that's that's my personal opinion yeah that's some that that's a great opinion to have let's just put it that way like you mentioned wilson baldwin i I had a ton last year wilson baldwin with some graham sometimes i was big with winston and evans i love the winston evans combo but um couple of questions on stuff you mentioned just to clear it up for the listeners you mentioned like the week five value play i already forgot his name but that's something big to look at when guys are questionable or whatever, pay attention to their backup because that's going to slot them in big and they're always going to be cheaper. Always. Yeah. The part I wanted you to hit on just real quick, when you're talking three, four, five, six X their value, how do you determine that when you look at the price compared to the points you're expecting? Yeah. So basically I'll look at their price. Like we'll go back to Cam Meredith. He is $5,000 and I will then look at what I, how I think he's going to perform that week. What would his stat line be? And for me, like Cam Meredith, I have met five balls, so that's five points, 95 yards, nine and a half points, and then a touchdown. So that would total 20 and a half points. And so basically you're dividing that number by their that first digit in the salary, so five, and you're getting 4X. And so you should you should really try to do that for the majority of your players. Pick a lineup if you like those guys. Figure out what their potential stat line could be. Figure out – one, what their value is on just their average points they get. And then based on their matchup, based on potential injuries, based on whether could their value increase or decrease and if it could increase by how much. And so I I think that's a perfect example for Meredith. He probably averages, I don't know, 12 or 13 DK points or something max, max. And I think he's going to get 20. So he's, he's a high upside guy. Two more questions, then we'll send it home. You, when you're talking stacking, you mentioned receiver, quarterback. You see a lot of people talk running back, quarterback. Can you explain why you don't like this or do like this and why it could be a bad decision? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, just common sense goes if you stack a quarterback and running back, the running back's potentially taking points away from the QB. And so if you have – and Le'Veon Bell is probably not a great example of this because he catches a lot of balls, but let's just say Le'Veon Bell goes out week one against the Browns, which are terrible, and he rushes for 150 yards and has two running touchdowns. That's two touchdowns that Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to have. And so unless you're expecting – I mean, unless you're expecting Pittsburgh to score – five or six touchdowns week one, which they could do against the Browns. 
you want to fade that option. But if you think Pittsburgh is going to score five or six touchdowns, then stacking Le'Veon Bell with Roethlisberger with one of the receivers could work out. But most of the time, if a running back is, let's just say the Cardinals, this happens all the time with them. David Johnson seems to score one, two touchdowns a game. The Cardinals aren't going to be putting up 35, 45 points every game. So if the Cardinals put up 21 points, let's just say they score three touchdowns. David Johnson is almost guaranteed at least one or two of those, which limits the QB upside there to a max of two touchdowns that game. And so you really have to look at kind of how the QB is handicapped or handcuffed by the running back in those situations. That's why I think like the Derek Carr situation last year or even the Russell Wilson situation last year was so heavy is because the running backs last year underperformed for the most part. And so there's a couple of situations where you may stack the running back with the quarterback, but it's few and far between. And you have to really hope that the team you're playing puts up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, that's 100% the mindset I have. You just saw so many touts, I would say, last year saying, oh, yeah, match up Doug Martin with your Evans and Winston. It just made me sick. Like, what are you guys doing? It makes no sense. Yeah, it could could definitely work out in your favor, but – Odds are it's not. Yeah. And then the last question I said I had for you, when you're looking at your flex position, do you just go for your biggest, you know, X value guy you're looking at, or do you target a specific position? Yeah, for me it's X value. I find myself typically targeting in that flex spot backups that are or number two receivers that are in good spots because of injury or backup running backs that are starting the game because of injury. A lot of the times I'm a big fan just because they're way cheaper typically getting a stud tight end, potentially putting them in the flex just because their value is easier to hit at their price point. I mean, last year you saw the Lenny Walker at, I don't know, five fifty-five hundred bucks or something like that uh, quite a bit. And when you looked at the $5,500 receivers versus the $5,500 Delaney Walker, his upside was just massive because you knew he was going to catch five balls for 90 yards and hopefully a touchdown that would cap it off. But he was a safe play in a flex spot with high upside. No, I love it. Well, Bucks, we won't, we won't keep you all night. That was a lot of great information for season long for DFS. We'll definitely talk some more down the road here and pick your brain. Really good stuff, guys. Uh, Check him out on Twitter at BP snow 11 Remember, he also brings the PGA knowledge. Drops usually Monday nights or Tuesday morning. Always pressing PGA DFS pod with the two of us and DFS golf gods. So check all that out. Bucks, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Let's get it. Yep, let's get it. Everybody, thanks for listening. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 50, Fantasy Football with Bucks. We'll catch you guys next time.